Welcome to podcast number 35 of Safer Dividend Investing. My name is Ian Duncan MacDonald. I'm the author of Safer, Better Dividend Investing and several other investment books. Tonight, we're going to be discussing several questions I've received over the last week. First question. An advisor at Vanguard says their actively managed fund will outperform the index over a long period of time based on their research. How would they know this? What gives them such confidence? To keep his job, usually a fund manager's objective is to at least meet the index result. No one can predict future share prices. Vanguard and everyone else are only guessing. You will probably find, if you looked at all the stocks that make up that fund, that it contains most of the big players in the index. Just how many stocks are in this fund? It is not unusual to see hundreds. To beat an index, you would normally have to limit the number of stocks in a fund to a few dozen carefully chosen stocks. However, that is risky since accurate share price predictions are not possible. But with a bit of luck, you might beat the index. Vanguard are not exactly objective participants. You would be paying them to manage your investment. If they told you that they would be unlikely to beat the index, you would move your money somewhere else. They would miss the nice income they will get for however long you stay with them. If you think about it, if you invested equally in every stock in an index, you would always get the same results as the index, which is okay if your objective is to only do as well as the index. When I have looked at the stocks making up the typical mutual fund, I'm always appalled to see they are made up of a big mass of mediocre stocks that I would never invest in individually. This is how the fund manager protects his job by taking as few chances as possible and ensuring he at least meets that index. That is why I am a self-directed investor. I only invest in no more than 25 carefully chosen, diversified companies who are financially strong and paying high dividends. Company managers control profits, not the speculators. Dividends are paid from profits. Even in recessions and market crashes, I live very well off the generous dividends which are immune from the gyrations of stock prices controlled by the herd of speculators plunging over the cliff following their leader. In 17 years, my portfolio is now 300% greater than when I started investing. This is despite the large income I take out of it every year. Second question. I am a 36-year-old female. I'm managing a profitable business that pays me good money. I hate what I'm doing and feel trapped. 
What can I do? My reply was, when I was 32, I was in charge of all sales and marketing for a subsidiary of a large international corporation. The subsidiary had 800 employees. I had started at the very bottom of the subsidiary after graduating from university. Within five years, I was in the number two job in the company, making good money. I became unhappy after the president of the company killed what I thought was a wonderful project with great potential for profit. I had worked on it for over a year. He killed it because nowhere in the world had the parent company ever tried this approach. The president was ambitious and did not want to kill his chances for progressing into an executive job at the parent company's head office by never embracing any innovative change. The moment he killed it made me realize that I could never be happy in such a rigid bureaucracy. I immediately started looking for another job. I quickly found one and left. While the new job paid more money, I did not like the company. A year later, I saw an advertisement for what I thought would be an interesting job that would enhance my experience. I took it, loved it, and stayed there for 28 years. Eventually rising to be a senior vice president of this company, I got to implement many of the innovations I had wanted to implement at my first company. Being in direct competition with my first employer, I took away half their customers with these innovations. Life is short. All I'm saying is that no job is worth putting up with. The future is unknown and it is stressful to make a change. I had wondered when I left the first company if I would ever achieve what I had achieved there. I took a chance on the unknown. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Are you or are you not in control of your future and your happiness? You have to look at each job as a learning exercise. With new challenges, new stresses, and new approaches, you will end up a stronger, better manager. Question number three. How do you analyze and evaluate securities? In 1991, I built a very effective risk scoring system to score 2,200,000 businesses. Before I released it, the scoring system was thoroughly tested by one of the major banks. They found it to be very predictive in warning them of potential bad debt write-offs in the 3,000 write-off accounts they ran against each company's score over three years. After a financial advisor lost $300,000 of my life savings, I took back what remained and became a self-directed investor, vowing never again to allow anyone to touch my money but me. To me, buying stocks appeared to be just another form of commercial risk. Since I had this background of commercial risk scoring, I built software to help me pick stocks and to manage my stock portfolio. In my books, I go into great detail on why I chose the 11 elements that go into the software's scoring matrix. 
The elements include current share price, historical share price, book value of the stock, operating margin, price to earnings ratio, average volume of shares traded, dividend yield percent, and analyst recommendations. With each of my books, I give the readers access to this scoring software. It is the same software I use for all the scoring charts in my books. My expectation was that the software would be used to update scores when investors were searching for stocks to add to their portfolios and to rescore stocks every few months to monitor changes in a stock's strength. While the score for stock is calculated out of 100 points, the highest score I've ever calculated was a 78. The lowest was an 8. I personally avoid stocks scoring under 50. In choosing the stocks, it becomes a matter of trying to acquire the highest scoring stock paying the highest dividends. Many of the highest scoring stocks do not pay the highest dividends, but they often show the highest share price gain and show the highest increase in dividend payments every year. Many of the highest dividend payers are financially weak and most likely to see their share prices tumble. Thus, it requires some judgment in constructing a balanced portfolio of 20 stocks that gives you both the dividend income and the capital gain you seek. However, scoring all the stocks you are considering allows you to make it easier to compare and pick the best. The proof of the score's effectiveness is in the 17 years that I have lived very well off the dividend income from my carefully chosen portfolio, even through both the 2008 and the 2020 market crashes. The dividend income remained steady and the portfolio quickly recovered to new record highs. During those 17 years, my portfolio has grown by more than 300% despite my taking a six-figure income out of it. Question number four. What is more important, share price growth or dividends? Both capital gain and dividend income are important. You do not have to choose one over the other. You can experience good capital gains while realizing a good dividend income. If you invest in 20 diverse, financially strong stocks paying high dividends with the intent of living off the dividend income, you do not need to pay attention to the share price. While you are buying the dividend dollar return, the shares included in such a portfolio will also show substantial capital gains. The strange thing is, even when your portfolio hits a stock market crash where all the indexes plunge and the value of your portfolio may drop by 50%, 90% of your dividends will still continue to be paid. This can easily be verified by looking at charts of 20 years of share prices and dividend payouts. Pick 20 strong dividend-paying companies and note how quickly these stocks recover and soar 
to new record heights after the 2000, 2008, and the 2020 market crashes. See how in almost all cases they continue to pay their dividends, but some actually increase dividend payments. A good example of such a stock is ENB, Enbridge, which is traded on both the New York Stock Exchange and the Toronto Stock Exchange. How is this unexpected behavior possible? It is because speculators control only share prices and speculator activity is unpredictable. However, the profits of large, strong corporations are controlled by the managers of the corporation and dividends are paid out of profits. I did a study of 2,200,000 businesses in 1991 that showed that successful strong companies have character that is passed from one generation of executives to the next. These patterns of success are perpetuated. It takes years for a financially strong company to wind down. You look for such patterns when buying stocks. Depending on your jurisdiction, dividend income is taxed lightly or not at all. As well, buying such stocks, you will face little or no capital gain tax because you're only buying the stocks of companies you intend to hold forever. This non-speculative investing works best when you are a self-directed investor because you are not losing 1% to 3% of your portfolio's value to investment advisor fees every year, whether that portfolio gains or loses. You do not need an investment advisor to find or to buy such stocks. A portfolio of financially strong, high dividend paying stocks gives you three possible revenue streams. One, the rising share prices of financially strong companies. Two, the rising dividend payouts of such companies often exceeds their share price increases. Three, the regular monthly or quarterly dividend payouts. This is a safe, logical way to invest. Stock scoring software is provided to investors who buy my books to guide them in the selection of the strongest companies paying the highest dividends. Question number five. Which is a better investment, common shares or bonds? Suppose you have $200,000 to invest for one year. You have a choice of stocks or bonds. If you took the money and for safe diversification invested $10,000 and 20 financially strong stocks paying dividends of 6%, what would you expect? First, you invest it as a self-directed investor. You do not purchase these stocks through an investment advisor because that would eat up between 4000 and 8000 of the portfolio's value in fees and commissions every year that they have their hands in your portfolio. 
There are 628 stocks paying dividends of 6% or more traded on the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ. About 100 of these stocks are financially strong. At the end of the first year, you should expect to receive $12,000 in dividend income plus the share prices in your portfolio should normally have grown and the dividend payments should have increased. Expecting a capital gain of at least $20,000 is not unreasonable. This gives you a total income of $32,000. From this, you subtract the $200 fee it costs you to buy all 20 stocks, plus $200 to sell the stocks at the end of the year. This leaves you with a net of $31,600. With inflation running at 1.8%, this results in $3,600 subtracted from this total and you are now netting out about $28,000. There are some capital gain and dividend tax breaks on income from stocks. At the end of the year, your true value is about $228,000. If you now reinvest this additional $28,000, you're well on your way to building an impressive portfolio. Now, suppose you decided to invest the $200,000 in bonds. You would have to buy and sell them through an investment advisor. Depending on who you buy them from, you may pay $4,000 buying them and $4,000 selling them. Unlike the stock market, where you can easily see what shares are being bought or sold at, with bonds, you're dependent on an advisor and are going to pay the fees that they charge. How much interest you get on the bonds depends on what the advisor is able to sell you. You could receive anywhere from 2%, maybe even 4%. So at the most, you're going to make interest of $8,000 in one year. Thus, when subtracted from the advisor fees, you would be lucky to break even. You actually lose money because inflation is running at about 1.8%, so the bond's value would be down around $3,600. Furthermore, bond interest is treated like regular income and there are no tax breaks. So at the end of the year, your true value of the portfolio is now about $196,400. Despite that reality that you would be ahead at least $31,600 by investing in stocks, an investment advisor would discourage you from investing in the stocks. Why? Because he cannot make commission if you buy and sell them as a self-directed investor. He is also going to tell you that there is less risk with bonds and that stocks are risky. 20 carefully chosen stocks are not speculative purchases. They have minimal risk. Even in pandemic and recessions, financially strong companies continue to pay their dividends. The average recession lasts about nine months before prices recover. In a recession, you live off your dividend income until prices come back as they have after every recession for the last 100 years. Before you buy, 
You can look at free historical charts that show prices and dividends of any stock going back for 20 years or more. Thanks for listening. If you wish more information on investing and stock scoring, please visit my website, www.saferbetterdividendinvesting.com. Thank you.